So let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7. The book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse 7. The book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse 7. And I'll put this in the chat room for those who uh, need to follow the scriptures here. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. When we, this message is about baptism in the name of Jesus, the doctrine of salvation through baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason I began with this scripture here is because we have to understand when we tell people you must be saved, what do we mean by that? What we mean precisely is that there are two components, two aspects to being a human being. We have it here in the scripture in Genesis 2.7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That is the first aspect of being human. Human comes from even the Latin word humus, which means earth man or somebody who came from the earth. So this aspect must be saved because this aspect of being human really could never, had never had salvation. Are you with me? Let's say the flesh of Adam never had salvation. Why do I say this? Because even if Adam did not sin, his flesh could never enter heaven. Praise God. Say amen. He was made as a shadow of the real Adam, that is, Pointing to Jesus. Adam was a figure, Paul said, of him who was to come, who is Jesus. So it doesn't matter whether Adam sinned or not. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That which is of the dust never belonged to heaven. Amen. Because the dust can never be the son of God. Praise Jesus. It cannot be saved. Forget the sin of Adam. That's why I, I want to call this first aspect of saving the flesh, putting off Adam. And clearly, this revelation God gave to Bishop Tekla Mariam, it is a true revelation. The more we look, I studied, the more I investigated. It's so powerful, so wonderful. It's amazing that people cannot see it in the word of God. But you see, so the second aspect of being human that needs to be saved is the second part, which says in Genesis 2-7, and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So a human being is comp comprised of two parts. One is the flesh, from the dust and the other is the soul or the spirit which God breathed into man into the woman 
both of these need to be saved. Praise God. That is why Acts 2.38 also has components in it. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Why we cannot tell people, just lift up your hands and repeat this prayer, the sinner's prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. I recognize that you came and died for me. Excuse me. Which component are you trying to save of being a human? Because there are two components and both have to be saved. And the Bible makes this very clear. So today we are just going to speak about the first component or element, which is the flesh. And we say this together. Baptism is for the flesh. Let's say this. Baptism is for the flesh. Baptism is not for the spirit. I know it may shock you when I say this, but I'm saying this with understanding because we need to make this clear. You see, do you remember what the Ethiopian eunuch told Philip? When Philip was going to baptize him, it's very interesting that Philip asked him a particular question. You see, uh, sorry, the Ethiopian eunuch first told Philip that he, what is hindering him from being baptized? Here is water, he said. What is hindering? There is something that can hinder somebody from being baptized. And what is that? What can hinder a person from being baptized is if the person does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In the book of Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, Acts 8, 37, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Please listen carefully. Why did he say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God? Son. Because this Ethiopian eunuch clearly heard preaching from Philip that he has to save his flesh first. He has to repent, has to believe Jesus is God, and then he needs to put off the body of Adam. And when you put off the body of Adam, you need the body of the Son of God. Baptism is about re removing the body of Adam and putting on the body of the Son of God. That's why he said particularly, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. What he's saying is, I believe that the body I have cannot enter heaven. I believe I need a heavenly body to enter into heaven. And this heavenly body is the only body that can enter into heaven. It is the body of God himself, the Son of God. He was very specific. He was led by the Spirit of God to give the correct answer. He knew baptism is about the flesh. It's about knowing Jesus is the only one who can give you a body through which you can enter heaven. Baptism is for the resurrection. Baptism is about having an eternal body, a body that God will not stop from entering heaven, a body which God would not say, sorry, this body is flesh and blood. It cannot enter. This is the body of God, the son of God. 
this body was begotten of God with the purpose of not only shedding blood for us, but so that we can put it on in baptism. Amen. <laughs> so God didn't only make that body for himself. He, made, he gave that body for us. Hallelujah. What a wonderful revelation. We always say the word was made flesh. Yes, rejoice. But you and I will put on that body. We have put on that body in baptism in Jesus' name. We are now the sons of God. We have access to heaven through this body. This is the revelation of baptism in Jesus' name. It's not, it's not to do with the spirit. It's to do with the flesh. That's why Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Doesn't matter who you are. Amen. There is no flesh which deserves to enter heaven. That is why Paul said there is no Jew, no Greek, no Gentile, no male, no female. The males look down upon the female body. They think it's weak. The male body is useless when it comes to entering heaven. In this country, they told me there are people, even this pastor, they call them Dalit. They look down upon them. They are the low caste people. They're not supposed to touch them. But in baptism in Jesus' name, the revelation and understanding of baptism in Jesus' name will make everyone, should make everyone understand there is no flesh that can glory in the presence of God. All flesh is cursed. All flesh is useless. So how does it help when people say, I, I'm the descendant of so-and-so? I'm the descendant of so-and-so. We're all descendants of Adam, brother or sister. Amen. And Adam is under curse. Let's do this case slowly. You see, so any message of salvation must account for the salvation of the body and the spirit. The teaching must be clear. How can the body be saved? How can the spirit be saved? Do not mix the two. Amen. Baptism is about the first part, the body. Baptism means to submerge. It means to bury. What is being submerged? What is being buried? The answer is the human body inherited from Adam. Let's turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22. The Bible says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Praise Jesus. That's why we need to read the scriptures. Because if you talk to human beings, you will be forgiven for thinking that there really is differences between flesh. We give different titles to our flesh. Some people call their flesh American. Some people call it uh, Japanese. Some people call their flesh male. Some call it female. Some call it Jew. Some call it Gentile. Some even call it by the name of a tribe. You see, this flesh, they put a tribal name on it. Some put royal name. Some put president. They put titles. This is the business of the devil. So that the world does not hear what Paul is saying. As in Adam, all die. 
This is the message for all flesh. Forget whatever label you put on your flesh. In Adam, you will die. You will never enter heaven. Your heritage, your lineage cannot save you. Your tribe will destroy you. It destroyed many people. In Rwanda, within a few months, the world's fastest genocide was committed. 800,000 Hutus were killed by Hutus. Do you know that they couldn't even know the difference? Visibly, I mean, there was no way of knowing who's a Hutu and Tutsi. But because the Belgians gave identity cards, introduced identity cards to divide and conquer, this genocide was made possible. So the Hutus would stop people and say, show me your ID card. If they saw that they're Tutsi, kill them. So when we put labels on the flesh, which is not from God, the devil will come. But when we use the scripture and put the scripture on the flesh, we will see clearly, as in Adam, all die. Praise God. The Bible does not use the name of your country. It uses the name of your first father, Adam. Amen. Heaven does not see your country. It sees whether you belong to Adam or you belong to Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> The world is divided into two tribes, the tribe of Jesus and the tribe of Adam. Which one do we belong to? As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Baptism is an invitation to join the tribe of Jesus, to have the flesh of Jesus. Because only those who have the flesh of the Son of God can enter heaven. Save your flesh. Hallelujah. Why will you carry a dead body with you? Amen. People who refuse baptism in Jesus' name are people who love death. They love to carry a dead body with them wherever they go. God have mercy. So, let's continue. The children of Israel could not enter the land of Canaan as long as their foreskins were intact. Did you know this? We don't have time to read all of this, but in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verses 2 to 9, the Bible says that there was a new generation with Joshua, and the old generation died away. And they were now about to enter the, river, the land of Canaan. Only the river Jordan was between them. You know what God said? Stop. Circumcise all these people. Because they were not circumcised by their parents, which proves to you and me, brothers and sisters, that God is just. Because the parents of these people did not even bother to circumcise their children. Are you with me? Do you see why God did not like that generation? God said, I will let these people roam around in the desert and die. Because they don't even respect God's covenant of circumcision with Abraham. A parent who does not care for their children's baptism is a parent, I'm afraid to say, that God will not allow you to come into the kingdom of heaven. He may allow you to die in the desert, 
Because how else can we explain that these parents did not circumcise their children? And God had to send the command. And so what is interesting, when we study what happened at that time, was that God made a very strange statement after they were circumcised. God actually told them that today, means it was only on that day when he had circumcised them, he said he has rolled away, he has removed the sin of it, the shame of it. Let's look at the scripture very carefully because this scripture will tell you a lot about baptism in Jesus. Joshua 5 verse 9 says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. Gilgal means to roll away. What was rolled away? You see, they removed the foreskin. They rolled it away. And God said, call this place Gilgal, the place where the sin of Egypt, the shame of Egypt was removed. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is about circumcision. I will show this to you clearly from the word of God. But you see, they could not enter. It was when they came to the River Jordan. And we know the River Jordan represents baptism in Jesus. It's not placed there by accident. They had to come in through the River Jordan because it's symbolic. It's telling us we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven without being baptized in Jesus' name. So just at the river Jordan, God rolled away the sin of Egypt. That means all these years they were carrying the sin of Egypt. A person who is not baptized in Jesus' name, you have the flesh of Adam upon you. It's like having the foreskin upon you. So circumcision is to roll away. When a person is baptized in Jesus' name, Jesus rolls away the sin of Adam. Jesus rolls away the shame of Adam. Jesus rolls away the reproach of being human. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we have to understand the meaning of baptism because it's there all along in the Old Testament. Praise God. So we need to continue understanding how these things fit together because otherwise people will think that circumcision Basically, was God just inflicting pain upon a baby that is eight days old for no reason? Why does he make Abraham, who is almost 100 years old, be circumcised? No, no. It has great meaning. And we need to understand this meaning. So, when we look again, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. The book of 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now, this I say, brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit in corruption. So let this be clear. Anyone with the body of Adam is under a curse. And even if there was no curse of Adam, I said in the beginning, dust can never be the sons of God. Dust can never produce sons and daughters of God. The only way we can enter heaven is with the body of Jesus which we receive in baptism in Jesus. So one wonderful way to think about baptism is to think about circumcision. 
Why do you think God hates the uncircumcised? Jews till today seem to harbor deep, deep um, resentment and basically hatred for the uncircumcised. Even David talked about the uncircumcised Philistine Goliath. That was the worst thing in Israel, to be uncircumcised. You see, because circumcision has to do with baptism in Jesus' name. The church must understand this. Thankfully, we who believe in one God and salvation is in Jesus' name, we have the revelation, but we need to have it even more stronger. We need to remember those who are not baptized in Jesus' name, God hates. God calls them uncircumcised Philistines. Now, please don't go around calling people who are not baptized in Jesus' name uncircumcised Philistines. But I'm trying to help you to understand how we should perceive baptism in Jesus' name. It's not a small thing. It's dangerous not to be baptized in Jesus' name. Do you know God was going to kill Moses after he told him to go to Pharaoh and he showed these miracles? Why? Because the Bible says Moses did not circumcise his children. So when he left from being commissioned by God to go to Egypt, imagine the man who God was going to use to destroy Egypt was going to be destroyed by God himself before he started his mission. Why? Because the Bible tells us he did not circumcise his children. That's why the Bible says that his wife, Zipra, she understood what was going on. She quickly made stones. She, she took sharp stones and she circumcised her children quickly because she knew that. You look at look at Exodus four twenty four. It came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him, sought to kill him. Why will God seek to kill Moses himself? Because brothers and sisters, no one is above baptism in Jesus. It doesn't matter who they are. When you meet people, please, I beg you, whether whoever they may be, pastors, whatever they call themselves, tell them with love, but say, brother, sister, you are not above the word of God. Are you greater than Moses? No. Fear God. God was going to kill Moses because he did not circumcise his children. It says in Exodus 4.25, then Zipporah took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son, cast it at his feet and said, surely a bloody husband art thou to me. You see, we are like Zipporah. We are the children. And she was telling her husband, you failed in your duty to protect your children. The God who was going to use you to save Israel was himself going to kill you. God is no respecter of persons. If you needed evidence, this is evidence. So God is, is not, uh, he treats everybody equally. Moses or no Moses. So Exodus 4.26 says, so he let him go. Then she said, a bloody husband out there. See, he let him go. Why? God did not let him go until the children were circumcised. Thank God for Zipporah. Zipporah saved Moses' children that day. Sometimes husbands can fail in their spiritual duties. Thank God for wives and women who fulfill the duty 
to God. Amen. Don't rest. If you know there's somebody in your family, somebody around you who's not baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Circumcise in Jesus' name so that the angel of God will let them go. Hallelujah. About the covenant of circumcision that I just spoke about, because we cannot understand baptism in Jesus' name until we understand the shadow. The shadow. God is a God who speaks in types and shadows. The fulfillment of circumcision is baptism in Jesus. But we need to understand the shadow. For that, let us go to the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man shall be circumcised. The question we have to ask ourselves is, why would God inflict such pain on an eight-day-old infant? Is God in the business of just uh, tormenting infants? Absolutely not. In addition, we can ask another question. Why did God select that particular part of the baby's anatomy, the, the, the foreskin? You know, imagine rejoicing at the birth of a beautiful baby boy, only to be told that God was unhappy with the baby unless the foreskin was removed. That's really the message God was giving Abraham. Why didn't God create the baby without the foreskin? Or why didn't God himself remove the foreskin? You see, God wants us to get the revelation. He wants us to understand. In the Old Testament, he just told them to obey. But now God raised up apostles and others to reveal the meaning of circumcision. And it's a beautiful revelation. You see, to answer the first question, why did God inflict such pain? There's rejoicing, there's happiness, and suddenly there is screaming, a baby that is crying uncontrollably, and there is blood. This is what happened. The two seem to be a paradox. <laughs> and it is indeed a paradox because you cannot understand it unless you understand that two things. First, God chose the foreskin. He chose a male, not a female. Why? Because it is the seed is counted from the male, the seed of death. Where does the seed of death come from? From the male, from that part of the body. You see, the Bible is not just a book which states things at random, the irrational, illogical. I, I've always said it would have been easier if God said that they should make a cut on their forehead like some tribes in Africa do or on their cheeks like the Ashanti and others, then people can say, oh, he's Ashanti or she's, a, oh, he's a Jew. No, God hid it in a way. People, you, you can't know who's circumcised and not circumcised. So why? Because the meaning, 
is the seed. God is going for the seed. He wants his people to know that the life that we pass on, we are passing on death. It looks like we are passing on life, but actually we are passing on the seed of death. So once we recognize this, we circumcise, we cut off the foreskin. By that, we are giving a signal to God. We are saying, oh God, I thank you that you gave me the ability to have a baby. But at the same time, I recognize that this life that is in me leads to death because this child will die one day because there is a seed of death from Adam. So Lord, I am cutting off the foreskin with the faith, with the hope, with the belief that one day Messiah will come, praise God. God will come and he will circumcise the whole body of Adam and give me his own body, praise God. Why the apostle Paul said you cannot circumcise a person who is baptized in Jesus. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Are you with me now? Praise God. Do you see the revelation? Why is Paul angry? Fighting against the Galatians, against the Jewish brethren who are coming and saying you have to be circumcised. Paul is mad because Paul has this powerful revelation. Hallelujah. I'm afraid I'm waking up the hotel guest in Jesus. You see, how can you cut away the body of Jesus? How? It doesn't. They didn't understand. <laughs> what did they receive? Yes, remove the body of Adam, but you can never, should never circumcise the body of Christ. Jesus already removed the body of Adam in the waters of baptism. What are you removing? Jesus did it in the waters of baptism. That's why Paul said, why will you go back to being cursed by following the law? The law never gave life. The law is pointing to Jesus, who is life. Amen. Praise God. Understand mystery of bapt uh, the circumcision, you will have no problems with baptism in Jesus. And we say, put off the body of Adam. This is what Bishop Tekla always used to say put off. God hates the body of Adam, He cursed the ground. Where is the body of Adam from? When I explained this to Pastor Rajesh about where the body of Jesus is from, he said, It's so clear. The word was made flesh. Amen. Jesus has nothing to do with the dust. Nothing to do with Adam. Why will God tell us to remove the body of Adam? And he himself comes with the body of Adam and gives us the body of Adam. We don't need a double dose of the body of Adam. We are carrying enough dust. We are carrying enough death. Why do you need more death? Hallelujah. You know, if you're, if you're wearing a dirty coat, you don't say, ah, can you please give me another dirty coat? I'll have two dirty coats, please. It doesn't make sense. You remove the dirty coat and you put on a new one or a clean one in Jesus' name. So, it's a powerful mystery. Amen. But we need to continue. So, God chose a baby to drive home the point that this new life was the seed of Adam and hence rejected of God. In circumcision, uh, the foreskin, foreskin 
represented the removal of the cursed body inherited from Adam. There was blood present in the rite of circumcision, all pointing to the day the blood of Jesus would be present in the water of baptism. When the Lord himself circumcises away the entire body of Adam. Praise God. You see, in circumcision, there's blood. This blood is not pointing to human blood or adamant blood. It's pointing to the day Jesus himself will enter the water. Jesus himself, his blood will be there in the water. Amen. And that is another great mystery of baptism in Jesus' name. If we see First John chapter 5 and verse 8, we should always remember when people are being baptized in Jesus' name, these elements are present in the waters of baptism. It says here, there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Where do they agree in one? In baptism in Jesus' name. That's where they come together. Praise God. That's where salvation occurs in the water. Jesus commands everyone to meet him in the water. Hallelujah. In the waters of the Red Sea, God destroyed Pharaoh. And Israel came out without Pharaoh. When you go down in the waters of baptism, Adam will be drowned forever. He will never follow you again. That body of Adam is finished. It will not come out. Only you will come out like Israel, hallelujah, with the body of Christ. Praise God. Where did it happen? Where did God get rid of Pharaoh? Not with 10 plagues. He's still following them. But in the waters, he crushed the head of Leviathan in Jesus' name. Crushed the head of the, the serpent in the waters. Praise God. Amen. Because in, we have to convince people they need to go down in the waters of baptism. You see, sometimes we need to pray, Jesus, help us to know and understand this mystery so that it will be like the Ethiopian eunuch. I am sure that Philip was preaching this message so powerfully, so amazingly. The Ethiopian eunuch was burning. I is looking for water. <laughs> you know, if I have to push somebody into the water, have you seen pastors who sometimes have to drag people to the water? And they don't even want to go in. They're almost pushing them in the water. No, no, no. Please don't do that. By the teaching, they should want to run. They should stop your preaching. Like the Ethiopian eunuch stopped the preaching of Philip. Excuse me, I've heard enough. Amen. Where is his water? Because you know, he's in the desert. He's not sure when the next time is he will see water. <laughs> Praise God. Look at what it says in Psalm 74 and verse 14. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Praise God. Where did God crush the waters of the, the, the Leviathan? Leviathan is a beast which lives in the water. Amen. So God crushed his head in Um, we talked so far about how 
baptism was foreshadowed in the Old Testament in, in circumcision. This covenant was first given to Abraham. Let me make one thing clear. You see, the reason the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 2, 3, verse 27 to 29, the reason that he said, when a person is baptized in Jesus' name, a person puts on Christ, and then he says there's neither Jew nor Gentile nor male, but he says you become the seed of Abraham, the children of Abraham, isn't it? Why did he mention Abraham in connection with, with the baptism? <laughs> Praise God. Why, why, why mention Abraham? Why not mention David? Why not mention somebody else? Why is it that baptism makes us the children of Abraham? Praise God. If you know what I'm trying to say, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or maybe we need to read those scriptures together again. When we look at those scriptures in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 to 29, let's read all carefully, each verse by verse. Uh, instead of me pasting all of this, maybe someone can help us. Uh, God bless you. We can give this task to somebody so that we all can uh, be, uh, you know, have a little uh, job for the Lord. But Galatians 3.27, I'm reading it. It says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptism is about putting on Christ. It's about putting off Adam and putting on Christ. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then listen, verse 29, and if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The question I ask is, why is Abraham mentioned here in connect, connect, connection with baptism in the name of Jesus? It's simple, because it goes back to Genesis 17, and the covenant of circumcision. It was given to Abraham. And so Abraham was the first to receive it. And he was told to circumcise himself and his children. So in a sense today, you could say Abraham was the first person who was baptized in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. In other words, in the shadow. He accepted an old man, subjected himself to this by faith. The Bible says the gospel was preached to Abraham. Did you know that? We still don't know what revelations Abraham had. He was a friend of God. God revealed mighty things to Abraham. So when you are baptized in Jesus' name, the reason you are called the seed of Abraham is because then you can say, I have kept the covenant of Abraham. It was Abraham who was first given the covenant of circumcision, which applies to baptism. He circumcises himself and his children. And this points to removing the body of Adam and putting on the body of Christ. That's why Paul begins by saying, you put on Christ. Then if you are Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. What is the connection? It's circumcision. Now, we can see this revelation clearly in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. The Apostle Paul himself tells us 
I hope somebody can put these scriptures in the chat room. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So right here you have this putting off of the body of the flesh. So when the foreskin is removed, that foreskin represents the whole body of Adam. It's thrown away. You know, nobody, uh, I don't mean to be grotesque, but nobody kept these foreskins as souvenirs of some sort. They would be thrown away, buried. So the body of Adam must be buried in the waters of baptism. Praise God. We don't go to visit the grave of the Adam that we left behind in the waters of baptism. You know, people put crosses. They go and put flowers. We don't do that with the body of Adam. We are happy to get rid of it. We throw it away. Jesus, hallelujah. We don't put a cross and go and go there and uh, cry or whatever. No, we, we are not. We don't become sentimental. We get rid of the body of Adam. We must hate it in Jesus' name. To reject circumcision was to reject the covenant between God and Abraham. And to reject baptism in Jesus' name is to reject the covenant between Jesus and the, and the church. Praise God. Baptism began with Abraham and it ends with Abraham because as the Apostle Paul states, once a person has been baptized in Jesus' name, he or she basically removes all other identities which ultimately are cursed, Jew, Gentile, male, female, etc. All these identities are cursed. We buried them in the waters of baptism. And we put on the heavenly body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not coincidental that we become the children of Abraham through the covenant of baptism in Jesus' name. Baptism in Jesus' name is the fulfillment of the covenant of circumcision between God and Abraham in the beginning. Amen. So in baptism in Jesus' name, we truly put on the body of Christ after having put off the body of Adam. Let me again reiterate, let me reinforce this point. There is only one body in the entire universe which was sinless because this body was of the Holy Ghost. This is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus's body was not inherited from Adam, from Mary, or related to our bodies in any way. In fact, the Lord himself denied such a relationship. Let's look at John 8, verse 23. John 8, verse 23. Scripture is very clear in John 8, verse 23. And he said unto them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. This cannot be any clearer. Jesus denies any connection with this world, with humanity. 
this is contrary to what many churches teach, that Jesus became human like us because he loved us so much. Well, if God loved us so much, he's not going to uh, put on a body which is also cursed and die with us. God have mercy. But this is what they're saying. Jesus came to deliver us. You know, if a person is drowning, you don't send somebody who does not know how to swim. You send somebody who can save the person. God has to come with a, his own body to save us. Because this body we have cannot save us. And if Jesus came as our kinsman redeemer, this is another teaching we don't have time to address it. But what this teaching basically is saying, I'll put it in the chat room, kinsman redeemer. This teaching basically says that Jesus is our kinsman. Kinsman means related by blood. Related by blood. Jesus came in a body which has human flesh and blood. And the law of Moses says that if somebody, for instance, uh, uh, loses his property or something of that sort and ends up in debt, and even in matters of marriage, if the husband, brother dies, then somebody who is related by blood can redeem this person, save this person. But here's the problem with this teaching. There is no place in the Bible where it says Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. There is no place. These two words do not, are not found together in the Bible. This is an invention of Christians. Jesus is not related to us, so he cannot be our kinsman. We have to become related to Jesus when we first get rid of Adam. When we are baptized in Jesus' name, then Jesus becomes our kinsman redeemer. So it's actually the opposite. We, Jesus is not related to us in the dust if we are in Adam, because in Adam all die. So Jesus is telling us, listen, there is hope for you. If you refuse to be the child of Adam, and come to the waters of baptism. You declare yourself. That's why God never circumcised anybody in the Old Testament. He gave them the choice themselves. But the children of Israel in the days of Joshua, before they entered the land of Canaan, we can't only blame the parents. They were adults. They were warriors. They themselves did not bother to circumcise themselves. See, God does not force anybody to be baptized in Jesus. God sends teachers. God sends preachers. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm preaching wherever I go. Are you baptized in Jesus' name? As the apostle Paul asked the disciples of John, you may call yourself whatever you want, but the God, God is no respect of anybody. I have told missionaries, are you baptized in Jesus' name? Why not? You cannot be above the word of God. Sorry. You must obey the apostles' teaching. Amen. So, because God was going to kill Moses. God would have killed Abraham if he did not circumcise himself. And so this is a non-compromisable teaching. There is no discussion. It's only to understand and to obey. Otherwise, you cannot enter the land of Canaan. 
God will say you're an uncircumcised Philistine. And God hates the uncircumcised. But today we are circumcised. Can we say we are circumcised? I have cut off the body of Adam. I did not do it. Jesus did it in the waters of baptism. Hallelujah. I am. We are circumcised in Jesus' name. Jesus removed the body of Adam. And he gave us the body of Jesus. His own body. Amen. So, we have to understand the Apostle Paul also confirmed that the body of the Lord Jesus is not of this earth. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 47. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 47. The Apostle Paul says the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. The Greek word earthy is koikos, which means literally a heap of dust. The first man, Adam, was a heap of dust. If you want to know what your body is made of, just go and ask somebody to show you what happens when the body returns, when the body is decomposed. It becomes a heap of dust. Jesus' body could not see corruption. Praise God. This is how we know he's not of this earth. The earth refused to receive the body of Jesus. The worms and the insects refused to touch his body. How do I know that? Because Psalm 16 and verse 10 says, Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And the apostle Peter repeats this under the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2.31, it's written, He seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Amen. In Acts 13.35, it's repeated again. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Three times the Bible uh, repeats, the flesh of Jesus could not see corruption. What kind of flesh is that then? How can we say he's of the dust? How can we say he's of the earth? If the Bible keeps, keeps repeating, his flesh cannot see corruption. It's not speaking about his spirit. <laughs> it's speaking about his flesh. So, the in Jesus' name is also about which image are we to be changed into. Jesus did not come into this world to change and become like us. He came to this world, into this world, to change us into his image. Praise God. The change has to happen with us, not with Jesus. Jesus never changed. The United Pentecostal Church teach. Their leader, David Bernard, wrote, and I have that quotation, but they've removed it from the internet. Jesus could not enter heaven. He could not inherit eternal life unless he underwent a change in his body. Can you imagine that? The number one theologian of the UPC church believed that Jesus had a flesh which could not enter heaven. Very sad. But what does the Bible say? John 1.18 says, we beheld his glory. 
What glory did you behold, John? The glory of the only, as of the only begotten of, of God, hallelujah, full of grace, full of glory, hallelujah. John says that the word which was made flesh, we beheld his glory. What glory? After the resurrection, John? No, no, no. Before the resurrection. The UPC do not believe that Jesus' flesh was heavenly because they believe that after the resurrection, his body changed. And they use John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39 to justify this. But when you study John 7, verse 37 to 39, it, it says no such thing. It says Jesus was not yet glorified. That's all it says. That means his mission was not accomplished. It never says anything about his flesh. We can easily prove that Jesus had a glory in his flesh before the resurrection. The Bible says in Matthew 17, what happened on the mountain? He was transfigured. And when he was transfigured, he was shining even brighter than the noon sun. Now I ask you, what kind of flesh do you know that has that kind of glory? And even in the book of Hebrews, we see the same thing. Because over there too, when the first begotten was brought into the world, the angels were commanded to worship him. So, I remember asking this to the UPC pastor in Norway. Uh, how would you worship, if Jesus would appear before you, what would you worship? Would you worship the flesh or would you worship the spirit? What would you worship in him? And he really shocked me when he said he would not uh, worship the flesh. He would only worship the spirit. And I saw on his face that he was quite in back. He was quite surprised by this. So we need to understand if we don't understand that the flesh of the Lord was of the word of God, it's heavenly. But we, we are not ashamed to say this flesh is heavenly. Then we will never understand the meaning of baptism. What kind of flesh we are talking about. So we, if the angels were commanded to worship this first begotten, what do we mean by that? Because what were the angels told to worship? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to conclude. But let's make this very clear. Because if a person doesn't believe the flesh of the Lord Jesus is of the word of God, then they're going to believe in a doctrine that says, we cannot worship his flesh, or Jesus could not enter heaven, kind of blasphemous teaching. But look at Hebrews 1, 6, thank you, it was already put up. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten, everybody say first begotten. That means flesh. Why is it the first begotten? Because never before in the history of the world has there been such a flesh. It is begotten directly of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is not a kind of flesh anybody has seen before. This is the first begotten. First time this flesh came into 
was manifested. Now, did God ever tell angels to worship a somebody begotten? Never. The only flesh God told angels to worship was Jesus. And now we need to be careful. We cannot separate his flesh from his spirit. God is not telling the angels to worship a body without the spirit. The reason angels worship is because this is the father in his own flesh. The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in him. This is their God. The angels recognize him as Jehovah, who has become our salvation, Yehoshua. So they worship him. But the UPC were telling me that they don't worship his flesh because they created, they made a doctrine which is blasphemous. And that's why we told them we can never believe, like we, we, we believe this is for salvation. There is no church in this world that can change the word of God or decide uh, what they want to do with the flesh of Jesus. We should not allow that to happen in Jesus' name. Stand for the truth and God will stand for you in Jesus' name. So we have to understand in baptism, Jesus is waiting. The flesh that he had when the word was made flesh, the Bible says it of old from everlasting, Micah 5. How do you say this flesh has no glory? Jesus even said to the apostles, Take, eat, this is my flesh. Amen. Which is broken for you. Listen. Was this before? After, or was this after the resurrection when his flesh changed and became glorious? No. This is before the resurrection. How can you eat flesh which is not glorious? Which is not heavenly? Do you know why Jesus could tell us to eat his flesh? Because it is a life of God. We are supposed to live by the life of God. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Open your mouth and receive this life of God. Hallelujah. And that is why we must understand this revelation. It's a very powerful revelation. And the devil's business is to try to remove the glory of the flesh or to remove the glory of the spirit or some, you know, he, he's conf he was confusing the church. But we must know what Isaiah 9, 6 said. This child, this son who's given, this child who's born, son is given. He has all these names. The everlasting father, the mighty God, praise God. When we talk about Jesus, let's give him all the titles which he deserves. Don't minus a title. Don't try to remove his flesh or his spirit or his this. It's dangerous. Isaiah gave him all the titles. Give him all the titles. When we say Jesus, say Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Hallelujah, Alpha, Omega, Amen, First, Last, Hallelujah, Counselor. Give him everything because in him dwells the fullness of the God body. Don't minus anything. Don't separate one part to try to make it uh, separate and like take it in a laboratory, try to divide, find out the molecules, the composition. It's dangerous. Amen. Let's, Jesus said, I. He spoke as I. Amen. Let's say 
he is I. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. He didn't say, unless you believe this spirit is this and that flesh and this. He said, unless you believe that I am him. Praise God. He always said, I am the life. I am the living bread. I, God is one person. Forever he will be one. Only the kings of this earth try to separate him. Constantine and all of these people. They were constantly trying to. His name is Constantine and he was constantly trying to separate the father and the spirit and the the Holy Ghost and in all of this, the Son, let's not do that. It's always saying, Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead, but God was manifested in the flesh. Praise God. Let's use scriptures. The devil trembles at scriptures. He doesn't tremble at our own uh, philosophy, our own words, our own knowledge of. Uh, no, no, no. He wants, Jesus always told the devil, It is written. Who can explain the Bible better than Jesus? But still, Jesus said, It is written. He limited himself to the word of God. UPC ran into trouble because they decided to use their own theologians who thought they can come up with better language. The same with Trinitarians. They use lawyers like Tertullian. Brothers and sisters, we fear the word of God. We tremble at the word of God. Who are we to change anything or touch anything? If it was good enough for Peter, good enough for Paul, to say what they said, we will say the same thing in Jesus. So the word of God today tells us that baptism is commanded by God. Without it, we will not see heaven. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. A good, a sincere, honest, clear question deserves a sincere, clear answer. What shall we do? Men and brethren, what shall we do? He was even calling Peter and the others brethren before he was their brother. Amen. Before he was their brother, he called him brother. Brethren, what shall we do? He's sincere. Peter said, repent. Repent of what? Repent that you people rejected that Jesus is. God manifested in the flesh, as Isaiah said, as Mika said. He is the one through God. Amen. He's not in the temple anymore. Praise God. You people have come from all over the world to go to the temple. But Jesus is God. Hallelujah. And repent that you live your lives without him, rejected him. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Don't leave Jerusalem without being baptized in Jesus. Amen. 3,000 in one day. It was urgent. How much revelation can you get about baptism in Jesus' name on the same day? I don't think that much. It's enough when a person understands enough baptism in Jesus. Here is water. What is hindering me? How much revelation did he get? God will show you everything else. Amen. But if you are here today, I want to conclude first and then invite you. I don't know who is not baptized in Jesus' name. We take it for granted. I don't know. We need to. Hallelujah. In one church once, I remember in Ethiopia, it was Diridawa, 2003. I preached a similar message in a church that I thought everybody is baptized in Jesus and knows his revelation better than me. You know what happened? There was a chaos, a huge queue to the end of the church. Everybody wants to be baptized in Jesus. Even I became afraid. What happened? Are these people not baptized in Jesus' name? The pastor said, yes, yes. It's just this revelation shocked them. So they don't need to be baptized in Jesus. I said, no, 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 they don't need to. But you see, God will give the revelation later. 
But if you are here and you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, I will be shocked if you still refuse after understanding this revelation. But let's conclude with Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Philippians 3, verse 21 says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Listen carefully. These bodies that we have are vile. Vile means evil, horrible. People I've seen are very comfortable with themselves and they think that everything is good with their health. And one day, their health begins to play games with them. And they realize they are carrying a body of death. We are always carrying this body of death. It's a vile body. Don't make a mistake there. Just because it looks healthy. No, the body of Adam is vile. But Jesus wants to give us a new body like his body. A glorious body. Can we say glorious body? The body of Jesus is glorious. It was always glorious. Amen. It never stopped being glorious. Hallelujah. And Romans 8 verse 29. Romans 8 29 says, For whom he did follow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Please look carefully at these verses. You see, Jesus is the firstborn. In what sense is Jesus the firstborn? Many people were born before Adam, before Jesus. Isaiah was born before Jesus. Why is Jesus being called the firstborn? The revelation is clear because there was no flesh like his flesh. It was not from the dust. It was not from Mary. It is of the Holy Ghost. It is the word made flesh. Praise God. That's why it, he is the firstborn. In heaven, everyone who will make it to heaven will be able to look at Jesus and say, he is my father. He is the first flesh in heaven. On this planet earth, everybody looks back to Adam. But in heaven, Jesus is the firstborn. That means there will be no one else who can enter there who did not receive their flesh from him. So in heaven, Jesus is the first. Everybody will look at him and say, he's the first man. He was the, he's the first. We got our flesh from him. Wow, praise God. We will be in a place where we can all proudly say, you don't have to say, my ancestry is special. I'm from this tribe. I came from so-and-so, from this tribe, that tribe. You know, my tribe, the Somalis, we call it Ishaq, Isaac, Arabica, Ishaq. So if, you, if I go to Somalia, they say, what tribe are you from? The tribe of Ishaq. Who is Ishaq? 1,000 years ago, according to them, I don't know if it's true or false, a guy came from Iraq. They call him Sheikh Ishaq. So we are one of the biggest tribes called Ishaq. They say his grave is there today in uh, near Hargeisa or something, not Somalia. So they proudly say we are from Sheikh Ishaq. 
Let me tell you, Sheikh Ishaq is dead and buried. His body is eaten by worms. He's finished. Everybody, whatever your so-called famous great-great-grandfather was or is, it's really pointless to take any pride in this kind of heritage because if we cannot point to Jesus as being our father, we cannot enter heaven. In heaven, everybody must have one father. He will not be Sheikh Ishaq or uh, I don't know who, whatever you call your great, great, whatever your tribe or your this or that or whatever, George Washington or, you know, whatever this or that. Uh, only one thing will open the door for heaven. Only one body. Praise God. They will ask, have you received the body of the firstborn? Is Jesus your father? Amen. In the flesh. And we say Jesus is my father in the flesh. Not only in the spirit, in the flesh. Praise Jesus. So today I started by saying salvation is having two components. Save the flesh first. Amen. Make sure Jesus is your real ancestor, your real father. And Jesus has no grandchildren. Only he's the father of everybody. Everybody in heaven will say he's my father. Amen. Because all are direct children of his. Another time we will talk about saving the spirit. Amen. Some people save the spirit, the flesh, and they stop there. No, no, no. God breathe into man. Say breathe. Nepesh. Hallelujah. Ruach. Hallelujah. Amen. Spirit. You have to save the spirit. We'll talk about that another time. But allow me to challenge anybody, not only here in this room, but whatever you may listen to this message, maybe 10 years down the road, maybe even 50 years down the road, when Brother Paul is dead and gone. Amen. Are you baptized in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. If not, God is angry with you as he was angry with Moses. It's clear. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm telling you. Why is God angry? Because it's like these children of Israel who refuse to be circumcised and they know that God hates the foreskin. Why does God, why does God hate the foreskin? Because the foreskin represents the body of Adam. And the Bible says it will never enter heaven. It is the enemy of God. God hates the dust, the flesh of Adam. Because not only was it not made to live forever with God in heaven, but it is under a curse. A person who is not circumcised, who is, who is not baptized in Jesus' name, is a person who is telling God, I don't want your flesh. I don't want to be your son. I don't know why you, the word was made flesh. I want, I'm happy. I'm proud of my father, Adam. God is provoked. His anger is already upon you. It's not something you need to do anything uh, to earn it. This is the facts. We have to tell people the truth. You have to turn away the anger of God. God let Moses go when Zipporah circumcised the children. Hallelujah. God 
is holding those who refuse baptism. Anytime he can kill you. Save yourself. Amen. You're not doing me a favor or anybody a favor. You're not doing your parents a favor. Do yourself a favor. Turn away the anger of God from you. Let God release Moses. Let God release you. Be like the Ethiopian eunuch. Say, here is water. He's a man of high position, a treasurer. But he knows the anger of God. He doesn't want to waste time. He didn't ask for special water. Eh? He's a special guy. You don't need special water to throw away the body of Adam. Any water will do for a cursed body in Jesus' name. Save yourself. Deliver, deliver yourself from the anger of God. Whenever I read about baptism in Jesus' name, it's clear to me. God hates a body that is uncircumcised. In Matthew 22, there was a man who came into the wedding supper having the wrong garment. What does it mean, the wrong garment? But baptism is about clothing. It's compared to clothing. Put on Christ. This man, he saw that everybody received a particular type of garment for the wedding. But this man always wants to do things his own way. Yeah. Maybe his whole life he was a rebel. Yeah. He doesn't want to obey, submit. That day he made the biggest mistake of his life. You know, when people don't want to obey the word of God, they continue to make their own doctrine. God sends preachers, teachers. One day, it will be too late. The Lord himself told him, my friend, how did you come in here? He called him friend. He didn't call him my son. He's not his son. God may call you friend, but it doesn't mean you are saved. So he said, friend, how camest thou in here? God have mercy. I don't want to be just a friend of God. I want to be the son of God. I want to be the son of God, not just a friend of God. He said, throw him out. He had no answer. Moses had no answer. People who refuse baptism in Jesus' name have no answer. God will send a preacher to you. Amen. If God sent a preacher to preach this message, I was talking the same things yesterday to the pastor. He was opening the scriptures. I told him, no, we'll speak from the Bible. Please open your Bible. Then you don't have excuse. If God is bringing somebody to a remote region of village of uh, Kathmandu, the toilet is flat on the ground. They, it's a mountainous village. Uh, nothing is there. You can't even order a taxi. Nothing. It's a village. God is bringing preachers there to tell them this revelation. God will find you. God has found you today if you have, when you are hearing this message. And I'm not just speaking to those who are here. Turn away the wrath of God. Quickly go out and find water and find a preacher who believes this message to baptize you in the name of Jesus.